Welcome to Stories from the Revolution podcast. This is episode 27, and I'm John White. This episode is a continuation of a topic that I introduced in episode 26. The topic is the family blessing. And in this episode, I'll give you a picture of what the family blessing looked like in practice. But first, I want to say that I believe that this practice this family blessing idea is, I think, central to the new paradigm of church that is emerging. The family blessing is one important way that God's people have practiced educing grace for thousands of years. It's where this idea of educing grace was learned. And even though they might not have used that particular language. Remember, we've said that the word to educe means to draw out or to, to recognize, draw out, and celebrate. Educe what? Well, to answer that, it takes us back to Ephesians 4, verse 7. There Paul writes, To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. I believe that grace in this context refers to the unique superpowers, supernatural powers, that Christ has given to each one of us. The particular abilities that you've been given to build up the body of Christ. It's part of your design. And it's what makes you come alive when you get to operate in that grace. The family blessing was the way that grace was educed every Friday night at the Shabbat meal in a Jewish household. For every person present, mom, dad, the kids, the neighbors, whoever else was there, uh, this is what happened. To say it another way, it was an important and very organic aspect of making disciples. Through the family blessing, people were empowered to prosper. People became clear about their God-given identities. Transformation occurred one week at a time. Now, by contrast, I want you to think for just a minute about your typical current church service. Over my life, starting as a child, I've been to hundreds of these Sunday morning church service, maybe thousands. Probably you've had the same experience. See the picture. There's a, a large room. Maybe it's a sanctuary. Maybe it's an auditorium. Um, maybe there's a hundred people. Maybe there's a thousand people, but everybody is facing the same direction, whether they're sitting in chairs or pews. Towards the front, there's a worship team, a preacher, and so on. You can see the picture. Now, ask yourself this question. How many times have you gone to church, in this sense of the word, and have someone speak a personal blessing to you? What I mean is that someone spoke accurately and personally to you about your identity, your design, your grace, your unique superpowers. Someone who knew you well enough to speak to you about how God uniquely created you. How often has that happened for you? Probably not very often, at least it hasn't in my life. You know, generally in church, conversations kind of go like this. Hey, brother, how are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. Often it doesn't go too much beyond that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are valuable things that can happen in a large group of believers. Um, you know, teaching can occur, and that's a good thing. Uh, singing can occur, that's a good thing. Uh, so there, there are good things that happen there. But 
it's not generally conducive to the blessing, to inducing grace. You might respond that although this kind of thing didn't happen very much in a church service, it could theoretically happen someplace else, maybe in a small group. And, and it is true. Um, it often doesn't, but it potentially could. But what I'm suggesting is that this kind of blessing, this educing of grace, was so important that it took place every week in early church gatherings. How do I know this? Because the family blessing took place every Friday night at the Shabbat meal in Jewish homes, and that is where the early church began. This was in the original blueprint. And remember, every church mentioned in the New Testament met in a home and functioned like a small spiritual family. And these homes they met in, they were all Jewish homes, at least until about 40 AD, when Peter showed up at the home of a Gentile named Cornelius, which is described in Acts 10. So it's my belief that the family blessing was a central part of early church meetings. Why is it that the family blessing is so important? I think because it powerfully shapes the identity of every person that's present and the group as a whole. Recent brain research indicates that understanding our identity on a deep level is the key to character development. It's actually far more important than mere information. Information is necessary, but it's not sufficient for character development. So we're serious about making disciples whose character is being transformed so that they look increasingly like the person God intended them to be. This is a key part of the process. Let me say a bit more about what I mean by identity. On one level, for instance, we know in a left-brain sort of way that the Bible teaches that God loves us. We all know the verse, for God so loved the world. That's a good thing to know. It's important. It's a starting place. But that alone does not deeply shape our identity and our behavior. On the other hand, when we have a personal experience of God speaking to us directly that he loves us, and that we are his child, our whole brain is engaged. My mother actually experienced something like this in 1954 when she was 32 years old. She had a near-death experience in which she was literally in the presence of Jesus. Now, before that, she knew intellectually that Jesus loved her. She had always gone to church. She was a good Christian. Um, all of those things were true. But after that experience, in which she was profoundly affected for her whole life, she was transformed by the personal experience encounter of Jesus's love. She's now 97 years old. And just last week, I recorded her telling about this near-death experience. I'm going to post that recording in one of the episodes in the next few weeks. The point is this. Sometimes the blessing comes directly from God, like with my mother, or like Abram in Genesis 12, or Jesus in Matthew 3. Sometimes it's a dramatic one-time event. Often it's just his, his still small voice on a daily basis. Sometimes the blessing comes through an angel, like with Gideon. But most frequently it comes through our spiritual family, like what took place on a weekly basis in the Jewish household. This is, 
by the way, I think at the heart of what it means to make disciples. You see, our identity is formed as both God and people who know us. Educe, here's that word again, they educe, they draw out, they celebrate the God-given grace that is within us. Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Peter, you are Petra, bedrock, and upon this I will build my church. Jesus, you are my beloved son. son, I am delighted in you. This is what shapes our brain and it shapes our character at the deepest level. It engages both our left brain and our right brain. Recently, I saw that another megachurch leader, this one in New York City, was fired for moral failure. Now, I bet that he knew the Bible really well. I bet he was a great preacher and teacher. Sounds like thousands of people would come to hear him speak. But all of these things weren't enough. I wonder if he had a community around him who knew him really well and who spoke deeply and regularly to him about his true identity. Whatever his moral failure was, he wasn't living out of his true God-given identity. In the book, Rare Leadership, Jim Wilder and Marcus Warner make the point that what we need is not an accountability group. That used to be very popular. We need to be in an accountability group. Instead, they're saying what we need is an identity group because we all live out of who we believe we are at the deepest level, out of our perception of our identity. Here's a quote from that book, Rare Leadership. Quote, allies are the sort of people you want with you in the foxhole when you're in a battle. They aren't there to evaluate you. They are there to call out what is best in you. That's educing grace. Um, in the Jewish language, this would be called speaking a blessing to you. That's it. That's what the early church did, I think, every week through the family blessing. Now, a little bit more uh, background. In episode 26, I explored with you the general concept of the blessing found in Scripture. And you remember we said that the goal of the blessing is to empower a person to prosper. That's how you know if it's a genuine blessing or not, if a person is empowered to prosper. And how does this happen? Well, there are at least two parts of a blessing. Um, that is, it's speaking to a person about, first of all, their identity, who they are, and their destiny, what they're made for. These are things you have to hear from the Lord in order to speak those messages. But when it's accurate, when it's coming from the Lord, these messages have great power. Now, in this episode, we're going to get to the practice. How exactly was this done in the Jewish home every Friday night? And what can we learn from this? As always, there's lots of variety about how this was implemented in Jewish homes. Like anything else, in some homes, no doubt, it became just sort of a merely rote, meaningless tradition with little power. But what I want to describe is the fullest expression with the greatest uh, ability and power to transform. I also want you to know that there's great flexibility with implementing the blessing. It could be in a home with parents and children. It could be a group of roommates. It could be led by a husband and wife. It could be led by a single parent. It could be longer or shorter. It could be once a week on Friday night, or it could be every day at the, at the dinner table. It could be a schedule event like the Shabbat meal, or it could be informally at any time. How do you know when to do it? 
Well, that goes back to what we call our prime directive in Luke 10. Our prime directive is, very simple, listen to Jesus and follow his directions. All right, in the Jewish home, it was the, often the father who took the lead. He would begin by blessing his wife. He would face her. He would look into her eyes and speak into her heart. And he would speak to her about her identity and her destiny, who she was and what she was made for. Often, Proverbs 31 was used as a starting point. The husband might, might read that passage, Proverbs 31, and he might then personalize it that particular week for his wife. Remember how Proverbs 31 starts out, if you start with verse 10? It starts out with a question. A wife of noble character, who can find? And it's as though the husband then says, hey, I found one. I have a wife like that. Goes on to say, she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And the husband might then give examples of the good that she brought him in the last week. I want to hasten to say that it doesn't mean that she's perfect. No wife is perfect. No husband is perfect. But during the blessing, the focus is on the positive. What does this sound like in practice? I want to read for you what one wife wrote about the family blessing. I have to say, when I read this, every time I read it, I feel tears kind of welling up uh, in my eyes because I can sense how powerful this is. But first of all, picture the setting. It's around the dinner table in your home. Nothing complicated. Maybe it's a husband and wife, children, maybe relatives, maybe neighbors. Again, a lot of variety in what that would look like. That's the setting. Maybe you've just had a great meal together. Here's what this one lady wrote about her experience. Quote, my husband reads Proverbs 31 and praises me. And we love to invite others to join our Shabbat table. And so we ask each husband present to share some lovely things about his wife. This is always such a precious time. Can you imagine being praised by your husband every week? Doesn't it make you want to have a Shabbat meal right now? And by the way, imagine this as a sort of a very organic, natural form of evangelism. You don't have to be a Christian to praise your husband or, or wife. Um, this, is, you just, this is part of our tradition. We have dinner. This is what we do. So anybody can enter into this. She goes on to say, sometimes I will read Psalm 112 or Psalm 127 or 128 or Psalm 1, and I will praise my husband. And if friends are present, the other wives will praise their husbands. This is like in Luke 10, we talk about telling appreciation stories. It's just that we are focusing it on your husband or your wife at this point. Then the father or both parents of the home, the father of the home, blesses each of his children. This is another wonderful part of the Shabbat meal. It is such a powerful moment when the father blesses and speaks vision and good things into each one of his children every week. It is delightful to see the children with uplifted faces, Whew, this gets me, drinking in the blessing and encouragement. They can feed on it all week. And don't forget the baby and the little ones. Start speaking into their lives from an early age. We ask each father present at the table to bless his children. 
the weekly blessing of wife and children will bring a new dimension of joy and blessing into your home. That's in the quote. Comment here. Um, I want to remind you that last spring, we're in 2020 now, we published our first book in Luke 10 called Joy Fueled, Catalyzing a Revolution of Joyful Communities. And in December, the audio version of the book is coming out. The Family Blessing is a simple, tangible way to help your family become joy-fueled. Here's a, com a comment from another practitioner of the Family Blessing. Quote, every week the Jewish father prays a blessing first over his wife, and then he pronounces a blessing over each of his sons and daughters. There's also a blessing for the father and the husband of the home that is recited by his wife. In many Jewish families, the father also proclaims vision and prosperity over his children and thus creating his offspring an expectation of future success. This is the idea of empowering to prosper. By doing this, the father is imparting God's image of identity and destiny into the hearts and minds of his children. In many Jewish families who practice this tradition, the words of blessing the father speaks over his children are prophetic. And in adulthood, the children will often fulfill exactly what the father prophesied week after week over his sons and daughters, end of quote. So you just get a sense of how powerful that could be. So these are great examples of what the blessing in general and the family blessing in particular might look like. This is how grace was educed in each person. It's how each person was empowered to prosper. And I think it's an important aspect of how disciples were made. In one of the next episodes, I'll share with you more about how to prepare yourself to speak a blessing to people around you. But for now, just ask the Lord if this is something he would like you to begin to practice, maybe with your family, maybe with your friends. It's not complicated. Take baby steps. Just ask the Lord to show you how he sees these people, what he loves about them, how he has made them, and then listen and see what he says. In summary, I believe that this skill of educing grace is at the heart of the revolution that is underway. And the family blessing is a great place to start. So I'm John White. This is Stories from the Revolution podcast. Thanks for listening.